0: Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones-Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank. Banking with greater momentum. At B1Bank.com. Sirs so on the boulevard we're out to lunch with stephanie regal stephanie regal is a broadcaster and editor of baton rouge business report it's business baton rouge style
1: hi i'm stephanie regal welcome to out to lunch when it comes to high-tech innovations, sometimes it's not so much a matter of what a new technology can make happen, it's what it can prevent from happening. Today we have two guests whose companies have come up with innovations that have exciting applications in preventing things like rust, corrosion, and even fire. One is Plank Road Technologies, a joint venture that is not based on Plank Road, but is actually located in the LSU Innovation Park Business Incubator. Plank Road Technologies combines two patented technologies that enable everything from military assets to motor vehicles to lithium-ion batteries to be safely transported in airtight, vacuum-packed containers. The company's technology holds exciting potential for the military and NASA and currently has deals in the works with them. Jeff Garfinkel is the president of Plank Road Technologies. Jeff, thanks for joining us today. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Thanks for having me. My next guest has come up with a better way to detect and prevent fires. His name is Mitchell Montanio, and he is the co-founder of Hotshot Sprinklers. The company's patent-pending technology has created a sprinkler system that uses infrared technology to detect a fire, then more accurately aim a nozzle at the flames to extinguish it without causing extensive water damage. It's a really cool story, but here's the kicker. Mitchell and his team are just high school students at the Dunham School. Mitchell, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. Well, Jeff, I'm going to start with you. You had a New York company that produced a protective cargo covering, right? You partnered with your manufacturer, the local company here called PacTech, to come up with a protective covering that would prevent lithium-ion batteries from catching fire in transport, and Plank Road Technologies was born. Yeah. So so the story takes twists and turns. You wanted to sell the technology to the Postal Service, but they didn't buy it, and so now you're working with the U.S. military.
2: Well, okay, so just to take one quick step back, it's... It's not just the covering that protects against fire and, as you mentioned at the beginning, rust, corrosion, and uh, corrosion and other forms, uh, forms of corrosion such as rust, mold, and mildew. It's the covering, which we call the Secure Pack, combined with a system that we call the Lock System. Lock is an acronym for Low Oxygen Content System, and we've patented these. We patented. We have several patents pending uh, and some issued on this system, which treats the Secure Pack, which is a gas-tight covering. Okay. encapsulating assets. It treats the environment within, removes humidity particulates, and most importantly, removes oxygen. Which is what causes which is right? Well, which is, is the main ingredient in several forms of corrosion, certain oxidation-related events. And, and the way to think about it, if we just, a quick, tiny little bit of, of chemistry, which yeah, no, we your other, that. Your we other guests <laughs> probably learned a few weeks ago, um, still being a high school guy. <laughs> uh, oxygen, the air you breathe, contains a ratio of 21% oxygen to 79% nitrogen and some traces of other elements. At that ratio, the things that we do in life occur, or the things that happen in life occur. We can breathe and live, fire can start, eat, and spread, and corrosion such as, forms of corrosion such as rust, mold, and mildew can begin and cause damage. When you lower the oxygen and raise the nitrogen and change the ratio in that manner, things start to not be able to occur. If the oxygen content goes from 21 to 19%, for instance, people can't live and breathe. Once it goes below 16%, fire doesn't have enough oxygen, which is its food, to breathe and therefore form. Mm -hmm. And as we go lower and lower, we can again mitigate the effects and the impact of corrosion such as rust, mold, and mildew. So our initial meeting um, was with UPS that led to the development of this system. We'd already actually begun developing it. Their application was for lith- transport of lithium ion batteries. Lithium ion batteries can occasionally mm-hmm. combust by and themselves. a couple of
1: planes went down because of yeah. it. Isn't that many true? Planes,
2: many planes have had incidents. UPS in particular had lost two planes, and they were spearheading the effort to come up with better, more efficient ways and, and safer ways to transport lithium ion batteries. as Lithium ion batteries are the batteries that are recharged Like in our phone, right? Yeah. Exactly, your phone, your laptop. And they've become so prevalent. <laughs> That there's been and there's been such a demand for them that that transporting them is is sort of like the wild west. Mm-hmm. People aren't putting the care into packaging them; they're just trying to get them out. Um, and that not just applies to foreign countries, but to us as well. So the question is, well, we can if we know they're not packaged the right way and they do combust, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. And the answer is that they it's it's actually some it, it's cool and terrible at the same time these batteries will uh, internally combust and then go into what's called thermal runaway. They'll start self-heating at an alarming rate and they cannot be stopped. They will go up to about 1500 degrees, at which point they burst into flames. And those flames touching the battery next to it and then the battery next to it cause the chain reaction that causes the big, big amounts of damage. But if you have a low oxygen environment, as I described, where in a gas-tight containment vessel, where you don't have enough oxygen to allow fire to start, then you have a battery that combusts and combusts only. And you How did you
1: it. come up with the idea for this technology? Are you a, are you a chemist?
2: I'm not a chemist, but uh, I work with really smart people. And I have, so I have really good ideas, or as one of my co, one of my uh, the people that work with me says, I have a lot of ideas. <laughs> right? So if you have a lot, <laughs> it's sort of a buckshot mentality. <laughs> but, but this came out of this meeting. I mean, originally we were, creating a, uh, we patented a way to, when we vacuum sealed these containment vessels, which are soft sided, you could test the air that you were pulling out for any number of things. Most importantly to the TSA, Transportation Security Administration, we could test for explosives, we could test for drugs, and out of that we had many meetings and I had formed something with my manufacturer after we met with UPS when they asked, listen, can you do something to prevent these types of incidences by hmm. perhaps you know injecting nitrogen, which is what some people do. And that's what NASA does right now with taking care of their shuttle. But uh, it then turned into these other applications. We were spotted by a military contractor who does about $2 billion in, in military contracting a year um, with their contracts, and, th- and they saw use for us a huge uh, gap in, in their offerings or the, or the military's purchases that dealt with long-term storage of sensitive assets, sensitive relating to um, being sensitive to rust, corrosion, or other forms of corrosion and therefore not being ready when they were needed. And that's anything from ammunition to vehicles, as you said, to tents Hmm. that can have mildew and parachutes that can form mold, uh, have mold formed on them and not be useful when they're taken out. So you can protect these assets, increase their shelf life as importantly, you can reduce the need for maintenance and increase their readiness when they come out. In seems words, like
1: there's tremendous yeah.
2: potential there. I and, can and in
1: one part I love about the story, you, you were in New York originally, but your manufacturer was the local company here, Pac-Tech. Yeah. And and they were good enough to get you down here, and now y'all are talking to the Department of Defense about billions of dollars of, of work.
2: Yeah, I'd like to tell you about That's PacTech. That's impressive. Well, well, thanks, Stephanie. I, I, and PacTech is an, an extremely impressive organization. It was, Founded by uh, two gentlemen, the the co-founder, who's the ongoing president, has been since the beginning, is a man named Michael Schilling. And Michael and I, Mike uh, and I, kind of hit it off right away. We both enjoy the idea of innovation. But PackTech has been around for about 27 years, hmm. and they were providing at the very beginning, they were providing means of waste containment for the oil and gas industry. They evolved. And we're doing a tremendous amount of business. Blew it up to about $25 million within a few years by creating great products that were reliable and building reliable customers or loyal customers. They then expanded into the nuclear field. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have the ability to create packagings that can transport nuclear, low-level nuclear waste from the sites that are being cleaned up. It used to be Superfund that did it, now it's a whole bunch, it's the DOE, Department of Energy, mandates that they remove these these dangerous things from, from these nuclear sites and they got into the business, they have an office now in in England and they deal with European waste removal uh, and on a high level here in the United States. So they're they're a tremendous company of of professional people, all homegrown in Louisiana. I mean, I think everyone Mike has hired uh, over the years is from Louisiana and he's created something that's that's actually very impressive, which is a very family-oriented sort Mm -hmm. of attitude within the business of very professional people. And it's been my great pleasure and honor to work with them because I think that having not worked with Mike and his people. I don't think we'd be where we are today, which is on the the brink of tremendous military as well as commercial sales.
1: Well, we're gonna come back to to that brink and hear a little bit more about the deal, but I want Mitchell to join the conversation because Hotshot Sprinklers is also about preventing fires, quite literally. Your team of high school students came up with this infrared sprinkler system that I mentioned a few minutes ago. After your school, the Dunham School, actually caught fire. Tell us about it, was that a bad fire?
3: Yeah, it was, it was a pretty bad fire. So it actually happened in our junior uh, English class that okay. Ben and I shared. And so uh, the fire started overnight after, I think, a football game. And it damaged, like, half of the school for uh, upper school.
1: Wow, So uh,
3: When it was being renovated, being restored, we actually had to move into the lower school for about half the year. Mm-hmm. And so when we came back, Ben and I... Uh and Ben
1: is your co-founder? Yes, ma'am. Okay. And and y'all were what, sophomores at this point? Juniors? We were juniors. Juniors in high school, okay.
3: So when we came back to the renovated classroom in uh, our English classroom, we found out that none of the smoke detectors had gone off uh, for detecting the fire. No kidding. And it was pretty big fire. So we just thought there had to be a better way to detect the fires And uh, extinguish them
1: indeed and so that was the that was the genesis of of your idea and who came up with the Did y'all start studying in class did you have a teacher leading the effort was it your idea
3: so we that around that same time we figured out that we needed a science fair project for next year for our second level or second year physics class okay and we were Ben and I are both one of I think five students that were in the class so Science fair projects were mandatory because our teacher wanted the Dunham School to take a step up (laughs) in the science fair. So we decided, you know, we got to have a good project. We got to help these, (laughs) preventing these fires and all that. So Ben actually came up with the initial idea. And then we worked on a way from, hey, we need something to detect fires better to, hey, we can actually detect them better and extinguish them faster.
1: So, tell me um, I- as best as you can, uh, explaining to a lay person, infrared technology. That's not what's currently used in sprinkler systems, apparently. Right.
3: So, current sprinkler systems, the way that they work is that there is this glass bulb that usually has uh, a combination of liquid alcohol in it that mm-hmm. takes, it has to heat up to about, I think, 150 degrees. And so once the liquid in the glass bulb expands enough from getting heated up, it'll actually burst open the bulb and all the water that was being held back by the bulb will come through and rush through and just splatter everywhere.
1: And that's why you get so much water damage yes. as your school did.
3: Yes. And so uh, the difference between that and ours is that we use infrared phototransistors, which are just infrared sensors, and they detect uh, how much infrared light is in a certain area because they're constantly monitoring uh, a 360-degree angle. Okay. And once they, we can we can change the um, I guess intensity of light that we want to it, uh, react to. Mm-hmm. So once it gets to a certain heat or a certain intensity of light, we can um, make the. Uh, I'm trying to. We can make the nozzle, which has a smaller angle sensor on it. Okay. It acts as a trigger. We can make it rotate and sweep the area that we found has a fire in it.
1: So in other words, the sprinkler system works by being, it's triggered by light, not heat, in other words.
3: Yes, but heat, I guess, also has a factor into it because the, the hotter it is, the more infrared light it gives off.
1: I see. Now, you all have applied for a patent for this technology? Yes, we have. And you're waiting to hear from the patent office. Is that where you are now?
3: Uh, Yes, ma'am. It takes, we've been told it takes anywhere from one to two years to hear anything about your patent. And to actually get your patent, it usually takes two or more years. And
1: and, and you've had to do extensive testing, I suppose.
3: We've done quite a bit of testing uh, a lot of it has been tweaking just to get the product to work you know how do we you know set the fire up how do we do this and that so it's, it's just been a lot of tinkering but um yeah we've had to do a lot where, of where where do y'all
1: do the testing you have a lab or are you working we actually
3: school? we actually did um all of our testing at ben's house
1: Fantastic. A <laughs> Ben's parents must be really cool. <laughs> yeah. What um, do you have? Business people involved, or do you have any investors who have signed on to?
3: We don't have any investors, but um, we. I mean, if we, when we decide to build this into a business, when we have a time, when we have, you know, all that time that we can spare, because we're both going to college next year, we're looking forward to working on this again but it's going to be a lot of work. So, so we have to be prepared for it. So
1: for right now, it's just a great technology that you're patenting, but you're not building a company around it
2: yet.
3: Right. But we do have an LLC. Yeah. So, so the pieces I guess
1: are, technically are in place. Technically. Jeff, is this the kind of stuff you were doing in high school?
2: Uh, yeah. No. I was <laughs> going to say, my mother told me not to play with matches. <laughs> Ben's, Ben's mom seems a lot cooler. What uh, kind
1: of advice do you have for Mitchell? I mean, if you were in his position.
2: Well, I think advice is, is tough when it comes to business. I think it, I've always found that, I'm going to pontificate a little, but I, I think business is an extremely personal thing. The way you interact with people that you work with, the way you interact with people that may buy your product, the way you decide to run your company is, is based more on your personality than the people that you've watched do it, I think. So if you're passionate about running your own business, that's a question that I would ask. If you're passionate about this particular technology, well, then you go after it, right? I mean. It, investors are investors are sort of a double-edged sword it seems really nice when someone's interested in what you do and oftentimes it's necessary sometimes it's not hmm. sometimes as you said you, you haven't gotten to the point yet where you even know if you want to make this into a business and again take my advice with a grain of salt I wouldn't even call it advice just two guys <laughs> talking over over french fries and some kind of soup but uh, I think that you know if 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 you want to pursue this, then you do it seriously. Until you're serious, 100% all-in serious about doing it, don't think about taking someone's money. Don't think about looking for money. And don't think about spending all your time doing it. I mean, you're going to be a freshman in college. I mean, Go not I don't, even, I don't <laughs> even know what that's like anymore. I mean, that's, that's such, a, such a long time ago and such a, a fun thing. But if you're passionate about it, Again, advice is easy, right? Everybody gives you advice, but it's always based on their own personal experience. I have no idea what you're like. I know you're a smart guy. I know you have a great idea. And I know that there are applications for it. So with those three things, what you decide to do with it is your decision. Be careful who you talk to, though, also. People like to, people like to recognize and, uh, you know, the world isn't a bad place, but there's bad people in it. And there are people that will try to take your technology if they think they can do something with it.
1: Jeff, you mentioned investors, where are y'all with respect to, I mean, you're in the incubator at LSU, do you all have investors behind this company, a lot of them? Yeah,
2: so actually we became friendly with uh, Charlie D'Agostino, one of the PacTech folks, Uh, his name is Mike Sanchez, Mm -hmm. Um, he actually sits on the board of the LBTC. They just asked us if we wanted some office space. We're Uh, self-funded, PacTech and and myself, we funded this whole thing, Um, me with money and my my resources and, and Pack Tech and Mike Schilling with money and their resources. So we, while we're located in the in the incubator, which is a great, by the way, it is a great place to do business. There are really motivated uh, young, you know, spanning spanning from maybe a little bit older than, than you and and maybe uh, about my age. There's people of all ages and all different ideas in there, and the support is great, and the people are. They're kind of—it's motivating to be around that type of an environment. Um, but anyway, we're s- to answer your question, we're self-funded, and I think that we've gotten to the point where uh, the luck of yeah. starting a business has kicked in, meeting these right people, and uh, we're we're kind of on our way. And just one other thing, you know, PackTech has such a great reputation in the nuclear and oil and gas industry that that Mike and I have decided to uh, to look into. We actually are pursuing it. We're starting a logistics concern really? that will allow us a full uh, sort of a, a full soup to nuts offering in terms of removing waste actual packaging and then removing waste whether it's nuclear whether it's things in the oil and gas industry that might be flammable and cause damage we can so, so
1: not just plank road technologies but another company or a separate division it'll be division. part of plank road and okay. we'll start it
2: with we're starting it with someone else but the the experience that mike's crew has in some of the experience that I have, while it's not, it's been in some way with logistics, as mm-hmm. you mentioned, my initial patents. You know, we're, we like to pool our expertise and see what's out there. So we're having, you know, I'm in Louisiana for two years and it's it's been fun.
1: You mentioned, and, and we were talking about it before before Mitchell joined us, um, the deal that you're working on with, with this Department of Defense contractor. Can you tell us any more about it or um, sure. how far along you are?
2: Uh, we actually have some POs on the way, per, uh, POs are purchase orders. That's what you want. <laughs> right. That's ultimately what That's matters, right? right all, the, all the fun stuff is all leading towards the the purchase. So we have some purchase orders to uh, from certain military groups to protect tents. Um, there are some pending transactions for us to protect vehicles that are in long-term storage overseas, okay. outside. Because our product, if you listen back to the early part, I know it, um, our product basically creates for military applications a mobile climate control. Storage facility. Mm-hmm. Right? They're soft-sided packagings, but they're extremely durable and, as I said, gas-tight. Once you retreat the air inside and lower the oxygen content, remove humidity and particulates, you've created a pristine environment within that'll preserve assets and increase their shelf life, preserve their readiness, and reduce the maintenance. So, overseas, they're they're uh, buying some to protect vehicles um, that are in long-term storage. The military is, and and we're really they've really taken us on as a as a big provider for them, so we, we look forward to great things. And that also goes for our nuclear industry down here um, at the DOE as well as the oil and gas industry where Mike Schilling is making inroads with a lot of uh, people that he's done business with in the past.
1: Jeff, what's the most important first step for anybody with a great idea?
2: Write yourself a letter, certified mail. <laughs> Write down everything that you've thought about, everything you've done, get digital footprints for every idea you have, and this goes for you, young man. Um, because what you've done is great, and, and you want to keep it great, and you want to keep it yours. This is, this is called the poor man's patent. The first step is you write a letter to yourself. You include every, every bit of information, every, every conversation you've had, if you can, and print out things that you've, that you've done, your sketches, your diagrams, your schematics, anything. Put it in a letter, certified mail, give it to your attorney. If you don't have an attorney, your father probably has an attorney. If you don't get a safe deposit box, if there's ever a question of whose idea this was, you'll have that letter, a lawyer will have that letter opened up in front of a judge and Mm -hmm. you'll win. So that's the first thing. The other thing is if you're not passionate about it, there's so many peaks and valleys to this. It is a roller coaster of epic proportions starting a business. It is the most uh, exhilarating and the most deflating thing that I've ever done and I've done it a number of times. So I'm a glutton for punishment. If you can't take the roller coaster ride, get off. Yeah. And if you get off, get off early before you spend all your parents' <laughs> money and your friends' <laughs> money. But, uh, and especially your emotional time that you're gonna invest. If you're passionate about it, you have to be passionate. If it's something you want, then you really have to decide how to go mm-hmm. after it, right? Nobody, nobody, no professional athlete sort of likes the sport they play, right? No famous actor sort of likes acting. Right? You have, no president sort of likes politics. In order to get to the top, and the top is defined by where you get off. Right? Where you're happy, where you're satisfied. To get to the top, you have to be hardworking, diligent, and there are always going to be naysayers. It doesn't matter. You become deaf to them after a while. People who will tell you, "Well, why don't you go to college? Why don't you become a lawyer? You know, Why don't you go and, and work at a refinery? All these things, all these ideas of what you should do, they all come from people in who are generally projecting, I'm getting a little cynical here, but people like to talk to other people, and especially young people, as if they're talking to themselves as a young person. Yeah. Right? You're a young person with big <laughs> ideas and a big open world in front of you. Whatever you decide to do, just go after it, man. I mean, it's, it's not that hard. It's impossibly hard, but it's not that hard. The decision is simple, the pursuit is hard, and it's all worth it. If you fail, that's okay. Failure teaches success. I've failed a number of times. And if you fail big, big deal, at least you tried. If you can look yourself in the eye in the mirror and say, all right, I gave you my best shot, then what do you have to be upset about, right? Not everybody makes it to the major leagues. Not everybody makes it, you know. There's gonna be someone this fall who's gonna not be president, and it's gonna be the most devastating thing of their lives, but they tried.
1: Might be the best thing for the country. To yeah, end. there's there, <laughs> no, that's a gone. separate discussion, right? <laughs> totally. Mitchell, what have you learned? Um, you know as an inventor at this very young age that it,
3: it takes a lot of work and a lot of time to perfect or not perfect but get to where you want to be and making something
1: was there a, a mentor or a, or the physics to teacher at your school that really played an instrumental role in this
3: yes our physics our physics teacher for two years mister richard hansen uh... he helped us a lot on all the technical things all the uh, things that we weren't educated on, that we had to research a lot. He basically knew everything um, that we had problems with.
1: I mean, y'all have a, a website out there. H- have people outside of your school seen this?
3: Um, I'm sure we've had some people outside of our school see it, but I'm not sure who, Yeah. so.
1: I mean, I think it has tremendous potential. And how did it do at the science fair, by the way? <laughs> we got we got second place. Oh, no! We got second <laughs>
3: place in regionals and state. <laughs> All right. But it was to uh, glow in the dark concrete, Th- which, that one which gets me every time. Yeah. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but no approaches so far from from outside businesses.
3: Uh, not yet. Not yet. Not yet.
1: Okay. What um, And you may not be able to answer this, Mitchell, but, um, but Jeff, what do you think of Baton Rouge as a place to do business? And what could we do to make it better here, more business-friendly?
2: Within the Baton Rouge community, I've, uh, I've been lucky, again, because of PacTech and because of Charlie D'Agostino and his folks over there, to be surrounded by people who I find to be extremely uh, bright-eyed. Uh, and uh, not helpful, that almost sounds not enough, but Mm -hmm. very willing and and very able to, to help with this whole process. If you find the right people, you're very lucky, and I've been very lucky.
1: That's good to hear, Jeff. We're out of time, gentlemen, but Mitchell, real quick, where are you going to college? LSU. Wonderful, all right, well. Jeff Mitchell, it's great to see high-tech innovations coming out of South Louisiana, even out of our high schools, and with some potentially exciting applications. So good luck to you both, and thanks for sharing your stories with me today on Out to Lunch.
2: Thank you, Stephen.
1: My man. guests today on Out to Lunch have been Jeff Garfinkel, president of Plank Road Technologies, and Mitchell Montanio, co-founder of Hotshot Sprinklers. You can find out more about Plank Road Technologies and Hotshot Sprinklers by following the links on our website. It's Baton Rouge. La and wrkf.org Today's show is recorded live over lunch at Mansers on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansers is open for lunch daily from 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti, And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. You can see photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la. And on our Facebook page, these photos are taken by Ken Stewart. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitch's latest album, Puzzle, is out now. You can find out more about that at mitchellforeman.com. You can get this show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsbatonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and wrkf 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch.
0: Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S. Providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com And by Business First Bank. With locations throughout the state including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area. Providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank. Banking with greater momentum. At B1Bank.com.